Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your co-hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other co-host, Pamela Bentley. And our guest this afternoon, we have Ellie Sawatsky in studio. Hi, Ellie. Hi. So nice to see you here. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for having me. Very glad to have you here. So uh, we'd like to get our guests to start things off with a poem. So let's get you to do that. Sure, yeah. This poem that I'm going to start with is um, my poem about what it's like to be an artist in Vancouver. It's titled Untitled. These days we walk because it beats taking the bus. Cruise Craigslist, brainstorm names for future bicycles. We feel brilliant at night in not-quite-rain when we've been invited to art parties with free brie and tiny cakes at places called pipe shop or shipyards, fucked by morning when we wake in our basements, the effects of white wine hurting at the hairline, world maps curling damply off the walls. These days we keep our windows open, hoping for cats. We walk until our shins splint, Our mothers tell us this is good because exercise is just as effective as Xanax. Our mothers tell us there are people who've lost hands, who still play piano, so we should be more positive. We take care of our house plants, give them names like Canaan, Alanis, Carly Rae. Some days we feel better than okay. We host clothing swaps, trade sex for tickets to Shakespeare plays, House sit for Chardonnay, exchange for fiddle lessons, exchange for massages or pot or over the sink haircuts or life advice or tampons or childcare for our landlord's cable so we can watch The Bachelorette Canada while smelling our borrowed cats for comfort. We splurge on pine nuts, bright lipstick, sandals handmade in California tickets to see bands whose Latin-inspired trumpet solos sound out over English Bay, and we consider, again, the possibility that this is better than okay. These days, I swear the wet sidewalks smell sweeter when you're only a few steps away. Nice. Thanks. Now, has, has, your, has your perspective on this changed since you've written that piece? Are there things you would take out of there or add in that you've had to greater experience with or different experiences with being an artist in Vancouver? Well, it's funny that you ask because I I did sort of 
try to rewrite this poem. This is sort of a very specific picture of summer 2016 <laughs> in Vancouver. Um, so after this past summer 2017, there were lots of things I wanted to add uh-huh. in terms of like the things that I trade with other right. artists uh-huh. and the, the trouble we get up to. Um, so specifically, it was my forays into uh, online dating this summer. Um, I had I had a lot of help from other witty writer friends with coming up with you know, first liners and, and that kind of thing. So I thought about maybe adding that into this poem, but it didn't quite fit. This, right. It was a very specific picture of a specific time. And so. Right. It would kind of take it off on a tangent, right? Right. And you'd have to say what your mother's thought about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's something you don't mention to them. Yeah. I, well, yeah. <laughs> it's an ongoing struggle, the, the writing and, and my parents. <laughs> and what you say to your parents about it. What do I say to them? No, I'm saying it's an ongoing oh, what struggle I, between yes. your, your writing and what you say to your parents about your writing. Oh, for sure. Life. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad somebody... Um, we've had a fair number of poets lately that have come on and talked about uh, how their families come to their... You know, oh, my family reads all my stuff, or my dad's read all the stuff that I've written about him, and I'm just not like that. Like, I'm still very aware that my 90-year-old father is alive in the world. Right. But I've now realized that he's never going to read any of my stuff anyway, so... Right. So I think that's pretty freeing. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, like I I don't ever think about people reading my stuff before I write it or while I'm writing it. And then not even until like until the moment that it's about to get published, then suddenly I freak out. Hmm. Well, then you must have been freaking out a lot lately because you've been published everywhere, it seems like. <laughs> Where have you been published? In the la- I'm, you get to brag now because I'm asking you the question. <laughs> it would be rude not to answer. So Room. Yeah, Room. Um uh, my my poem Hippocrene is coming out in room in spring, um, I think in March, um, and the Puritan, mm-hmm. um, one of my poems, uh, was runner up in the Thomas Morton Memorial Prize um, a few weeks ago, and it was uh, it's already published. It's online, the Puritan. Um, I have a poem coming out in the Dalhousie Review, um, probably pretty soon, I think, and I have a short story coming out in Little Fiction. Nice. Um, and I have a chapbook coming out in spring as well, Rhinocerotic. It's my first my first book. That you uh, won, like you, you won the the opportunity to be published, correct? Yeah, I was a finalist for the contest. Oh, yeah. just a finalist. <laughs> yeah, so Frog Hollow Press does this chapbook contest, I think just for the last few years. Yeah, I think the last two years. Yeah. Uh, um, Daniel Cowper, I think, won it the year before. I'm not sure. But. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know that he listens to the show, so I thought I would mention that. Uh, so this process of submitting and then, you know, maybe getting published or not getting published, what is that process like for you? And what is your end goal with doing that? Like if you get enough pieces published, then do you get a book or does that, how does that work? Um, I'm hoping uh, I, I have enough pieces published now that I can uh, apply for a Canada Council grant, which is sort of my next step so that I can finish my full length poetry manuscript. Okay. Um And then once that's, I'm feeling better about it being finished, I'm going to send that out to publishers. And, um, and for now I'm just, I'm focusing on the, um, the Frog Hollow Press, um, collection because that's coming up. So I'm excited about that and yeah, I'm just going to keep writing new stuff and sending things out. And, um, yeah, the process has been, um, I mean, it's challenging. There are times when just like nothing happens and I send everything I have out. And even like some of the stuff that's being published now, I've been sending out for years. Mm. And um, the poem that um, was runner up in the Puritan contest, I had sent that 
several places, so many places, um, and uh, for to contests mostly, not to any general submissions. But I felt in my heart that it was a contest winner, yeah. so I sent it to a bunch of contests, and nothing happened. And and I'm glad that I kept kept sending it. How do you keep it? How do you keep going then? How do you keep sending? Because that's yeah. tough, right? It is. Yeah, rejection's hard, but it's just there's just I somebody in my undergrad, one of my instructors in my undergrad told me. I mean, lots of people tell writers this. It's like the main advice to writers, but but that writing is about being rejected. That's mm. like a huge, huge part of it, and and that it's not necessarily even about. I mean, it's about persistence more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, that's okay. That's all. Um, so then, do you have a, a process of like every, every week you're sending out three or four poems, and then you know you've got all these poems out there in the world, and then some come back as as rejections, and others get uh, so. Because uh, I think it was like Ray Bradbury talked about how, you know, he'd send a story out every week and, uh, you know, and he'd forget about them. And sometimes they'd come back and, OK, we've accepted you into uh, into this magazine. And then, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, Mr. Brad. And then he'd just repost it and send it to someplace else. So is yeah. that how do you what what do you do for that? I'm not very organized about it. I tend to go in like weird bursts where I just like send everything. Um, and it's usually when I'm feeling when I'm feeling less good about actually producing new work is sort of when I go into like the the writing admin side of things mm. and I I just send out everything that I have and I keep an excel sheet to keep track of what I've sent where and um and I just send it all out at once and then I go through several months where oh, okay. I don't send it at all and then I check back and see what what came back, what was rejected, and what needs to be sent out again, and I just keep going that way. Well, that's a good use of the different kinds of phases of your writing, right? If you're kind Mm -hmm. of in a fallow period, not feeling like writing much, Mm -hmm. then at least you can use your energy to do that. Yeah, totally. Um, So the chapbook counts towards the things that you'll have published that you can use for the Canada Council Grant. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the name of it, but I wanted to go back to it, Mm because Rhinocerotic? Yeah. Like, that's a great great (laughs) title. Thank you. Can you say more about that, or is it title Is poem? it like rhinoceros eroticism or do you, <laughs> writing from the point of view of a rhinoceros that gets turned on by different things? Um, <laughs> where to start? All of the above? None of the um, above? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a title poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a poem that I have titled Rhinocerotic and it's in my chapbook. Um, and I wrote that poem, the first draft of that poem, years ago when I was an undergrad in Rhea Tregobov's poetry class. And um, I it was a poem about... I actually... I'm, I might read it. I'm not sure. I have oh, it. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah. Should I read it? Yeah, and then you can talk about it afterwards. Sure, okay. You got it's, it right there. Why not? It's yeah. a poem about um, being 16 in Africa. Oh, okay. Um, so, sure, I'll go ahead and okay. read it. And if you've got any F-bombs, just say F. Okay. Rather than... Rather than the full word. I should have asked about that. I meant to. I thought it was fog. I wasn't sure if it was fog. Or mm. no. Oh, yeah. That's a you're, different no, F word when you're right. in your first poem. Yeah. No, no F-bombs in this poem. <laughs> All night they feed outside our cabin, hog shuffling between silver oaks, fever trees, hooved feet in short grass tearing the earth. I crouch in the doorway, watching. Remember to breathe, come back to my own rough body. Scarred teenage skin, breasts that rose in the dark, 
16, muggy with hormones, drunk on anti-malarials and lack of sleep. The night moves, greenish and muscled, and me with it, far from home, from my strange young boyfriend. I want to tell him I'm ready, to press into something, to bite and break the skin, to drink the juice of a moon full to bursting before it thins to a sun-bleached rib. All night, the dark lines of rhinos. In the cabin, the pulsing ultrasound of a gecko inside a lampshade. Hmm. Wow. Great images. I love yeah. that. I, yeah, I love it. I, um, so did they know they, you were watching them? Were they aware that you were there? I don't think so. It was a specific um, lodge that you go to so that you can observe the rhinos. Oh, it's wow. by a lake, so it's like they're, um, where they go to graze. And there's like security guards that walk around. And they'll knock on your on your door in the middle of the night, whatever time it is, 3 a.m. or whatever, and um, and wake you up so that you go sit. You can sit in your doorway and or sit on your porch mm-hmm. and watch and watch the rhinos in the dark. I love how the the muscularity and like the mass and the density and that quiet grazing of them. You tie that with your your kind of burgeoning sexuality as a young woman because it's not a connection we would I mean, normally make but it, it just works so well in that poem. Yeah. So there's a magical moment that's happened to you that you've then put into poetry. I mean, I'm assuming it actually happened. Yeah. Um, you say that you were far from home. So w- you were there on a trip with yeah, your family? Yeah, a family trip when I was 16. Um, we went to Kenya for a month and we did safari and we went to um, the coast and um, we just did a whole tour of Kenya. Um, I remember I had this poem, another different draft of this poem workshopped this more recent draft workshop when I was in my master's program and I was in Ken Babstock's workshop and um, people were kind of arguing back and forth about what the poem was saying about sex and and um, and just existence and that wanting to like press into something because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't even really sure what I was trying to say in this poem mm-hmm. um, until I that's why I love workshops because other people mm. say what it is that I was trying to say but that I can't explain um, and somebody said that, that that pressing into something didn't quite make sense to them. And Ken Babstock was like, but isn't that what it is? Isn't that what, like, what teenager dumb mm-hmm. is and what, um, what coming into adulthood is and wanting to leave an impression and, and um, coming into sexuality and all of that? It's that, like, that press that without, like, a hoof pressing into something. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's when I realized that's what this poem was about. <laughs> um, it's funny though because I, uh, I discovered that I think I had written the poem and then I was trying to think of a title for it and I was just googling, as I do, things about rhinoceros. And um, the word rhinocerotic came up as it's actually like the word to describe a rhinoceros, like. Um, activities, their activities were rhinocerotic. Oh, like rhinoceros-like. Yeah, yeah. That's the actual word. Rhinoceros-ish. 
Right, exactly, like rhinoceros-ish. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was really surprised to learn that that was actually what the word was. Huh. And so then I used it, and it's sort of that double entendre, yeah, yeah. rhinoceros. It's a great one. Yeah, and then yeah. with that poem, it works even better. But yeah, I mean, it's just that, that because, yeah, when you're 16, you don't... When you said, well, I wasn't really sure what the poem was about. Well, when, when you're that age and you're thinking about what you want to do next, you're not really sure what you want to do, but you know you want to do something, right? Mm-hmm. It's like everything that's written about teenagers you're just like what is I want what is the thing I want but I want it yeah yeah I mean that's I think anyway for people yeah well, did you learn what a group of rhinoceroses are? Are the rhinoceri, oh, and then a, what's a group of them called? It's a crash. A crash of rhinoceros. <laughs> yeah. cool. awesome. That's pretty good. Even though they're just kind of grazing quietly. <laughs> yeah. That was the other thing I loved, like that, because we think of rhinoceros as crashes mm-hmm. and like yeah. the big horn and the like. You know, they're yeah. dangerous and they charge you. But then, yeah, yeah they would just be. They couldn't be doing that if they're yeah. eating. Yeah. They're just grazing along. Mm-hmm. Well, they could if you if you approach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did you learn <laughs> any, people do. any uh, odd rhinoceros facts? <laughs> while you were doing all this Googling? Yeah, while you're Googling them. Oh, it was such a long time ago. <laughs> I'm sure there are, there are more strange rhinoceros facts, but I don't. What's the little bird that eats in their ear? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, there's a little bird that, like, you know, it's, no, yeah, I know. it's a tiny little bird that yeah, yeah. feasts on. I don't know what they're called. I'll Google it. I'll Google it. I'll Google it. <laughs> yeah, no, we have to Google while we're on the radio. That doesn't make for good radio. Yeah, it does if we don't tell people. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. We already did. <laughs> so let's hear another poem. Okay. Um, I was thinking I could read the poem that's up on the Puritan. That, um, yeah, and it's going to be in the chat book. It's going to be in the chat book, yeah. So then when people go and look it up on, is it Puritan.com? Yes, I believe so. Then they will be able to hear it in your voice as they read it on the page or on the screen. Actually, usually the Puritan does do recordings of poems, but they didn't ask me for one this week. Maybe they will still. Who knows? Now they'll have one. Now they'll have one. (laughs) Um, So this is, yeah, this is a poem, um, uh, part of a series of nanny poems that's going to be in my... Nanny poems. Nanny poems, yeah. about, About being a nanny in Vancouver. Or at Burning Man, which is incidentally what this poem's about. (laughs) (laughs) This little girl goes to Burning Man. And there's an epigraph at the beginning from the Burning Man guide. A leave no trace ethic is very simple. Leave the place you visit the same as or better than you found it. This little girl is one, two, three. We count mountain goats from the RV window, the spread open wings of dragon trees, and brittle blue shrubs as they dwindle to one over there and then none. Under paper white sky, it's 2 2 Tuesday. It's a day glow desert playground. She's a dust fairy in pink, half blinking, never sits. Me, her nanny, mistaken for her mother. She's had less time than some to learn the horse like unpredictability of love. Her mother runs free in beaded boots, a faux fur bikini. Repeating love, her mantra, the word sounding in the black mountain valley, or swallowed whole, a bell in a mossy hollow. This mother was three, then forty-three in a flare of wildfire. She was a little girl wanting love. Her own mother loved the dog and a man who ran marathons. This little girl wants to see the man burn. Long into the black, ecstatic night, she's lighting matches, while I lie awake in limbo, listening to little huffs of breath, the threat of hooves outside, 
stirring up dust storms, the sound nearly drowned by drum funk, thumping bass. This little girl's out dancing, this little girl's asleep. This little girl with turning uncertainty loves another little girl and the love leaves its trace, lit up like a glow stick, then slowly leaking esters into sand. Our guest today is Ellie Sawatsky on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Wow, you really captured So you got to go to Ban- Burning Man, or got to go. You went to Burning Man as a nanny. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something I have never heard before. <laughs> yeah, that's, a little, that's stranger than normal, I think. Is it? Or I don't and know. The, it it the is, image, yeah. I mean, you capture the imagery and the feel of Burning Man and then the nanny thing in the middle of it. It's, have you been? Yes, but not as a nanny. <laughs> not very many people have. And I don't remember seeing any three-year-olds. No, um, there are uh, more than you would think. There's a l- I saw a lot of women in faux fur bikinis mm, mm-hmm. with a mantra of love. Oh, yeah, that's more common. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's actually like an entire kids camp at Burning Man. It's right next to Hushville. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so I went. It was one of those opportunities that I just couldn't say no to. Like, I couldn't really foresee okay. it being, like, super an awesome time. <laughs> but it was, I couldn't say no. It was, as a writer especially, it's, mm-hmm. um, I actually initially thought that I would write, like, a nonfiction piece about it, like a memoir piece about it. But um, this poem ended up coming out instead. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, it actually, it went pretty well overall. Um, it was a challenge, but I'd like to go back to Burning Man not as nanny, so I can mm. actually enjoy it, because um, it was definitely, it was hard mm-hmm. with a kid. If when did you go? Oh, sorry, go ahead. When did you go? This was um, 2014 mm-hmm. or 15, I think 14. Pam, when did you go? 2004 or five. So I'm curious what the, like, aside from being a nanny, what the environment, I heard, I've read so much about how it's just become this, not as, I guess, the spirit of it has changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's become a little more corporate and, mm-hmm. and business-like and stuff like that, too, with still those elements that were originally there. But I'm curious as to what it's kind of like recently. Um, yeah, definitely. I found it to be, to have that kind of more corporate vibe for sure. I wondered when you used that the the part from the Burning Man guide as your um, if it was uh, if that was sort of to be ironic like did you find that you didn't it's it's not possible to leave no trace anymore right yeah that is sort of and I mean that's sort of the glow stick at the end too you know there's mm. there's gonna there's gonna be a glow stick left behind <laughs> there's just no way there isn't yeah um, and everybody's I think I'm not really sure what the rules are but you're advised to like pick up a certain number of pieces mm-hmm. of things off the ground before you leave mm-hmm. but like I'm sure not everybody does mm-hmm. well and it's also such a it's a kind of a delicate uh, environment mm-hmm. that black rock desert right yeah. like it you you're leaving traces I mean I know that it floods at the other parts of the year and yeah. it kind of wipes away those traces which is why it's a good place right. for it right but um, that doesn't always happen right because the because of the environment's changing right mm-hmm. the, yeah climate's who was changing. who was playing there when you were there do you remember Musicians, bands, lots of drum funk. I think Skrillex. Yeah, there was a, oh, I yeah. think Skrillex did a did a show, um, but it was very hush hush. Like it wasn't. It was and sort of like word of mouth. It wasn't really announced. Um, I didn't see it. Yeah, I was. 
you were in the hush zone. I was in, I was in the hush yes. in I was thinking that if you were a mom and you wanted to take your three-year-old, it's kind of actually responsible to take it. Oh, yeah, with for you. sure. But then that also is like a whole other socioeconomic thing, right? Like to be able to afford a nanny and to be the kind of person who goes into, I don't know, it's yeah. just really sure. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, interesting dynamics for sure. Um, so let's get in. We're almost out of time, so let's have another poem from you before we do run out of time, and then sure. we'll have uh, heard four. Sure. Yeah. Great. Um, I was thinking maybe uh, the next one I'll read. Uh, um, I started a blog recently. Oh yeah, we want to talk about that. I'm glad yeah. You did. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so I started a blog on my website, elisawatsky.com, and it's called Impromptu, and it's uh, a daily blog of writing prompts. Um, uh, which I started because I, a few months back, a couple months back, um, I did a 10 poems, 10 days challenge. And um, I was using writing prompts. I was sort of scouring the internet and reading other people's blogs and and looking for prompts so I could generate that material. Um, and uh, I discovered that, I, I mean, I've always really liked writing from prompts, um, but I discovered I really like word pools, you know, like taking, having to use a certain number of, mm. a collection of words in a poem and having that be um, almost like the form that helps me to structure what I'm trying to say. Um, and so this is a poem, uh, the next poem I'm going to read is a poem that I wrote from a prompt while I was doing that 10 poems 10 days before I started my blog, but I included this, this prompt on my blog in one of the first posts. Um, so it's sort of a nesting poem mm -hmm. kind of pattern. And it's called, Tom Petty said love is a long road, but I think love is a circle. I open my memory and out comes a castle. I unlock the castle and out comes a kiss. I question the kiss and out comes a stranger. I pester the stranger and out comes some yarn. I untangle the yarn and out come your fingers. I unfasten your fingers and out comes an anger. I press on the anger and out comes a prayer. I recount the prayer and out comes a lake. I trouble the lake and out comes the winter. I confess things to winter and out comes a wanting. Brush snow from the wanting and out comes a song. I sing along and out comes my memory. I open my memory. My memory unrolls. I love all the verbs. All the different ways of, you know, instead of I look at or I can, you know, examine or whatever, you've got all these great verbs. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, that was part of, I sort of changed the prompt from the original one that I, um, that I used. Because um, it was, I think it was just, I open my memory and outcomes. I open the castle and outcomes. I open mm -hmm. the kiss and outcomes. So instead of the, the open, mm -hmm. I changed the verbs to more, mm -hmm. um, to different, different verbs every time. So then when I reposted that, um this prompt on my blog, I suggested that to ex mm. oh, experiment cool. okay. with them. How do you expect people, or how do you hope or expect people to use this uh, impromptu blog section of your of your website? Um, yeah, I'm hoping that um, people will use it as a resource um, to, to maybe to do writing as a daily practice or a near daily practice. Um, I find that uh, it really helps me um, before I did this 10 poems, 10 days challenge, I would sort of sit with a poem for a few days. Mm -hmm. And then that challenge really forced me to finish something in a day and to not really overthink it, to mm -hmm. just kind of sit down and do it like a free write. Um, and um, I think a lot of writers struggle with that, um, overthinking and, and sort of allowing the writing to become a struggle rather mm -hmm. than just moving through it and being spontaneous and... Um, 
impromptu about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. It's a really good use of prompt in the middle of impromptu. Yeah. And then thanks. do you do people send you what they've written? Do you post any of those things? Do you post what you've written with that prompt that you've set put up for that day? Um, not yet. I do have a friend who uh, told me recently that he's been doing it on a near daily basis and it's been helping him to reconnect with his writing. So that's that's exciting. Um, and he asked if he could send me some things and I also recently added a comment section okay. so that people can can post stuff that they've written hopefully as it gains more momentum mm-hmm. it's cool you're the second person in the last few months who's had this sort of thing Julia Pileggi with one oh, of her yeah, friends yeah, does yeah. that oh that's daily right these five thing. minutes right, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's really cool that when I saw that you'd started that I mm-hmm. thought oh it's like a new trend mm-hmm. you guys are setting a trend um, <laughs> what is the site again if anybody wants to uh, check that out yeah it's elliesawatsky.com so, and then that's a, a heading up on their impromptu. Yeah, impromptu is the homepage. It's, um, uh, it just comes up right away when oh, okay. you when you click on it. So, yeah. Right on. Well, that's all the time we have for you today. Thank you for being our guest this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. If you'd like to, uh, if you're just tuning in and you want to hear our whole conversation with Ellie, you can go to our website at coopradio.org and uh, check on the archives and then Wax Poetic as well. This will be up on iTunes as a podcast uh, soon and you can check it out uh, there as well. So let's quickly, you've got a couple of events. Yeah, there's a couple of events. Tomorrow on at Pat's Pub at 5 o'clock, starting at 5 o'clock, it's the publisher's um, annual party. So it's like New Star, um, Arsenal, uh, Talon Books, like all the local publishers, the smaller local publishers will be there selling books, and it's a really good place to socialize with uh, writers. Do and they want publishers. you to go and make your book pitch there to them? Uh, no, I don't think that's Probably really not. what it is. But, you know, it's a really good way to see everybody. Mm-hmm. And Ellie's going to help us with uh, with the one on Friday night. What's going on on Friday night? Yeah, Friday night is the Sad Mag party. Um, it's the Space Issue launch, and it's at the Space Center uh, near Kitts Beach. Oh, smart, smart. And then on Monday, Robert Richards will be featuring at the Slam at Café du Soleil. Doors open at 7, get there early because it often sells out, and the show is at 8. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, thanks again, Ellie. Ellie Thank Sawatsky, you. our guest this afternoon. Uh, I'm R.C. Weslowski. I'm Pam Bentley. And No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?